Bible and Pop Culture's podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Mia Burt, curator for Bible and Pop Culture magazine. For years, I taught Bible and Pop in the classroom and had a blast and learned as much as I taught. But now we're taking it to the streets for honest exploration of authentic Christianity through pop culture. Welcome to Bible and Pop Culture today. Today, my friend Stephanie and I, who is a pastor in Hawaii, will be talking about the movie Fatima. She was watching Amazon Prime a couple of weeks ago, and she came across this movie and just said, there are some amazing things that we need to unpack in it. So welcome, Stephanie. I'm excited to talk to you today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Mia. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about like how you came across Fatima. You know what? I was, I think I was actually scrolling through my Instagram and you know how they have like movie highlights in there. And when I saw it, it captured me right away for a number of reasons. One, it was going to be a religious movie and it was filmed beautifully. Another one was that the acting seemed like it was going to be fantastic. And it's just so rare that Christian movies have those components in them where the acting is good, the cinematography is good, the script writing is good. And that was just from the the trailer so I came home and I watched it and I I think there's so many things that we can unpack from that movie yeah definitely Stephanie mentioned it to me last week and I jumped on and watched it and kind of felt the same way she did it was I kind of went into it very skeptical you know skeptical of Christian movies (laughs) Um, unfortunately that's my background so I'm a little critical Uh, but skeptical also because I was raised Catholic just kind of skeptical about the whole idea of miracles and that that recently the the children were canonized as Saint Pope Francis Um, so just kind of skeptical about how could you weave this into something for today kind of skeptical about where are they going to go with this you know are they going to over um, emphasize certain elements Um, yes we should probably unpack what the movie's about literally a little bit so people who haven't seen it can understand because not everybody knows about Fatima right I think like you said it comes mostly people from a Catholic background would know it but essentially these three little shepherd children have a vision and it's the, the Virgin Mary actually appears to them and she gives them very specific um things the first thing an angel appears to one of them and teaches her how to pray and i was so intrigued by the prayer that she felt like she was given because it was a very simple prayer she's like you must pray and this is how you pray my god i believe my god i adore i hope and i love you And then the next part of it was for other people is I beg pardon for those who do not believe. So I looked it up just to make sure that really is that what happened? Because in the movie, they just show, I believe, I have hope, and I love you. And that was such a simple prayer. And I thought, Mm -hmm. wow, what? For me, let's just start with that. Let's just start with that simple prayer of nothing else from the whole movie. Can we just keep that idea of Mm -hmm. keeping our prayers that simple? I believe you, God. I adore you. You know, I love you. And um, I have hope. And I think even in the midst of COVID and everything that we're going through to actually say, I believe I have hope. It's like, 
I don't know. I think it's an important prayer for us to have right now. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I think it's so interesting that the, the, the children were, I believe, was it seven, eight, and 10, their yeah. ages? Yeah. And Super they were just these, yeah. um, these kids from Portugal, from Fatima, Portugal, um, Christian children who just came from kind of salt of the earth families and yeah. said they, a messenger of peace first Portugal, came to her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. then when the three were together, the Virgin Mary, and then just kind of this whole exploration. And I found it super interesting that it's, it's framed in, you know, you open with Lucia, the oldest of the three children years later, I think it was in like 1989, um, as an older nun, and she had dedicated her life to the Lord. And she's visited by this writer who's like, I, I kind of want to understand what this is about. I don't believe it but I just want to kind of hear your story. And so it's kind of her telling her story years later, even years later, never changed the story. And she never changed that simplicity of prayer. Like you said, she's like, this is just what yeah. happened to me. I don't have the answers. I don't know everything, but it's just what happened. And that's what makes it so credible and believable, right? That she's still all these years later, she's given her entire life to the Lord. And there were three things that the angel and the virgin, so it was different, it was like the angel in the beginning, and then eventually um, the Blessed Virgin. And, and I don't know if that's because they were Catholic, like why did God choose to reveal himself in this way to them? Do you know what I mean? Or, I mean, those are the things that you think about, right? Did these kids just make it up? You know, do we even believe in miracles anymore? Can we look at that and say, this happened or it didn't happen? This is her experience. And that's where the guy's like trying to go, oh, you were just kids. Oh, did you want the attention? But what really impacted her, and I think it gives credibility to how she ended up living her life, was that she was given a vision of hell. Mm -hmm. and of people in hell and it changed how she I mean in her little teeny life how she prayed and how she interceded for other folks and um, there were three I think three different they called them secrets that that were revealed to the children that only later came out and one of them was that the bishop and the popes were going to be uh, martyred as well, that they were going to be killed. And I, I researched it just because that's how I am. Um, in World War II, there were actually bishops that were murdered. There was a lot of clergy that was actually taken out in World mm -hmm. War II. And the warning came during World War One for right. her. Yeah, like if this doesn't change, it's only going to get worse. And I think we can see the proof of that even now looking back at it from then to now we can see what's happening and yeah. i don't know i think all of us need that revelation of how to get us to that place of willing to be on our knees and i think did you mention this or was this something we were talking about earlier about the suffering part of of what she was what the children were told yeah, I think for me, that was the part I struggled with the most is, you know, you expect this interaction or connection with, with, you know, God or with, you know, through Mary, I didn't expect it to go the way of suffering. And I had to like, really kind of sit with that for a little bit and take it apart. And it's like, why suffering? What, what is it that suffering does for us? You know, it seems cruel or unfair or unjust. But what actually happens in suffering? I, I think this movie is a great exploration of, you know, 
I don't think the purpose of life is comfort. And I don't think the purpose of life is like not feeling pain or avoidance of pain or getting to the next thing. I think there's a beauty to suffering. And um, I know there's this idea out there of transformational suffering is don't waste the suffering, let it transform you for the better. So I don't know, what are your thoughts? I mean, did you wrestle with the whole, the fact that their very first thing they were told is you're going to suffer? You're going to suffer. And I think, I mean, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, right? That suffering produces something in us, that it actually produces perseverance. Yeah. If we allow it to, we will persevere. It'll deal with our character. And in the end, it'll leave us with hope. And so I think our whole culture has been um, just sort of programmed into not suffering. You shouldn't suffer. You're not meant to suffer. I think you and I have talked about this as parents is maybe we've protected our children so much because we didn't want them to suffer. And it's actually in that very suffering that things are produced in them that actually will help them later in life. We have kids now that are so anxious that are on all kinds of medication for their anxiety, all the things that they're dealing with. And yet when you look at how did they did they really suffer like was there any suffering and it it reminds me of that scripture man if you if you can't if you run with the footmen and they've wearied you how are you going to keep up with the chariots we've raised a generation that that can't even keep up with the footmen right now because they're so overwhelmed with their anxiety and unwillingness to feel pain or to suffer I have regrets as a parent, I guess. <laughs> Someone told me once this analogy of, you know, don't cut a butterfly out of its cocoon as it's working. It's the, 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 you know, as they're working through things and breaking things off and it's scraping, you know, things off their body and their limbs and their wings and everything. And it said, you know, if you actually help a butterfly out of its cocoon, it actually handicaps the butterfly. And so I just, you know, really have thought that that's a great analogy from nature of just allowing our children or our friends or whatever, you know, be in the suffering with them, like, you know, Job's friends kind of were. (laughs) But they weren't kind of the most helpful people in it. But it's like, you know, being in the Well, they were quiet for seven days. They didn't say anything. So I'll give them that, that they just sat with them for those seven days. I heard the most powerful, sorry, just because we're on suffering right now. Um, (laughs) Leo Biscaglia, you remember him? He he was a writer. Anyway, he was (laughs) giving away a an award for the person who loved the most and this four-year-old boy won it and what happened was their next door neighbor uh, lost his wife of like 50 years and he was sobbing and the little boy just went and crawled up into the old man's lap and sat with him and later when the mama said what did you say to him he said i didn't say anything mama i just helped him cry and i just thought that was such a powerful picture of how to be with those that are suffering that mm-hmm. sometimes there's nothing that we need to say there's nothing that we have to do but just like that little boy that we would just sit mm-hmm. with someone in the midst of their suffering But I think, like I said, as a mama, we try to keep our kids from suffering. And sometimes it's the very suffering that they need to do. So when we think of these kids from Fatima and their willingness to, I mean, they would crawl on their knees to get to the place where they saw that they, and so those outward sort of forcing yourself to suffer, I don't know if that's what God is really after. Yeah. But um, 
Well, Mary even corrected her when she was putting that rope around her inside kind of a a self-flagellation kind of thing. She said, don't do that anymore. That's not what we're, we're doing here. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not not the kind of suffering. You can't inflict it on yourself. It's just the, the suffering of the world and to get that picture of what that looks like and to give it to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. It turns out that the two young ones, spoiler alert, spoiler alert ended up passing away young yeah and and she told them i'm coming back for you quickly i will be back for you but not for the other one not for the oldest yeah yeah Yeah, lucia was gonna have to wait mm -hmm. and i think like to me in life there's two questions you know as as a believer who is he you know is he your god is he your jesus you know and there's that Mm -hmm. question but the bigger question that I think we spend more of our time after we make the, you know, the decision for the first one is, is he good? And suffering is an amazing opportunity. I know at least two times in my life where I've had some really traumatic experiences, I had to really wrestle with that. You know, is he good? Is he for me? Even though I don't see it or feel it or taste it or smell it right now, you know, is he good? And I, I love, love um, the scene where she's talking to the author at the beginning as an older woman. And she says, my only regret is I didn't do more. My only regret. Yeah. Because she answered the question, God is good. In spite of everything that they went through as kids. And then, you know, I'm sure she was, you know, harassed for the rest of her life. People asking her, is this real? You know, did this really happen? Come on, tell us that it's a lie. I mean, the church didn't even believe her at the beginning, you know, so I think that's, that's to me, the biggest question out of suffering is, you know, in spite of, of the trauma and in spite of the loss and in spite of the, where it feels like it's all falling apart, is he good, you know, and, and hanging on to that, if you can answer yes. Yeah, no, that's so good. And it's so right on point. You know, it is interesting that the church didn't believe the children and I think it's so fascinating because the bishops or whoever they were the clergy um, the upper echelons of the clergy were like why is he speaking to you children and not speaking you know why would she reveal herself to you and not to us who pray and who are so pious you know and the kids just were like I don't know you know and I think it's just that purity of heart where Mm -hmm. when you seek God you will find him when you seek him with all your heart and he knew their hearts were looking for him literally seeking after and Mm -hmm. I think that's in the church even now when people have miracles how do we how do we process somebody who's actually declared that they've had a miracle Mm -hmm. and and we have modern day people who say Mm -hmm. they've had visions and they've had all these things but how do we how are we to process that and look at Mm -hmm. it and make sure that it's not crazy antics or shenanigans but it's actually true encounter Mm -hmm. Um, and what I think when we look at this movie and we see what these kids said it came back to the simplicity of I believe I have hope right and and I love you and it wasn't about becoming a celebrity or being famous Mm -hmm. it was we saw hell and we don't want anyone to go there do you know what I mean it's so much different than oh I you know I'm going to be the next so-and-so or I'm going to be the biggest influencer I'm going to no. these kids were like hell is real it's a place and we don't want anybody to go there so we need to Mm -hmm. pray and 
I don't know. Those are the the things I was thinking about in terms of um, miracles today and how we see them or do we treat them lightly or do we do they even affect us at all? Because the clergy was ready to absolutely dismiss what happened with these kids. And we wouldn't even have it today. I think if they had their way, they would have put them away and shut it down. They want, they almost demanded that they recount everything they said and the kids wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes back to also the same, the conversation they have at the beginning of the movie, you know, that writer asking, you know, in a um, cynical way, he's asking, you know, well, tell me this, why is it that, you know, these iterations, these miracles always happen in the same, you know, iconography yeah. of the culture that it occurs in, and, oh, and yeah. he kind of calls them yeah. out, you know, is your yeah, Catholic yeah. showed up as Mary, well, what about the stigmata, and the stigmata who gets it wrong, where it shows up in their palms, but we know Jesus is crucified for his wrist, you're right on, you know, can we hold space for is God still working miracles, first of all? And then can we hold space to just appreciate the person's interaction with God and celebrate that with the with them? But I was talking to my another girlfriend right before we, we met today, and that's what she was saying. Like, isn't he gracious to show up in the mm. way that we could handle it? You know, if he showed up burning bush to Moses, you know, yes, it was odd. It was out of the, but, but Moses could handle that. I don't know that we can handle him in that iteration. So could it be, you know, uh, however it shows up, you know, in a healing or in a changed life, whatever that shows, wherever we are. And, you know, then there's the whole conversation of like things that are happening in Africa and the Middle East and in China, the miracles that are happening there to them are commonplace where to Americans, it's like, I need the logic. I need the reasoning. I need the, you know, show me the proof first. Um, right. So I think that's interesting right. too. So does Absolutely. it have to do with like, um, I can't remember the little boy's name, but you know, he said, you have to believe the, the one that was, um, that experienced the, the being able to walk again, you know, the Mary oh, yeah. the little girl to say, you know, when he believes, then he'll get his healing. And he did, you know, right. then it, they tried to reason it away. Well, you know, the doctor said eventually he may walk one day you know, so can we hold space for the fact that the little boy's walking again? Right. And don't we do that? I wonder, Mia, how often we actually witness miracles and we do that all the time. Oh, he was going to walk anyway. Oh, that would have happened anyway. Oh, it was because of the medicine. Oh, do you know what I mean? And we reason away the power of God moving amongst us. It's to the point that we're so dull to it that we're not even aware of it anymore. We don't even see it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, being academic and being very logical, reasonable that I am, I think there, there was a time where I had to kind of choose, you know, am I going to celebrate what I don't understand? Can I hold space for the mystery of God working? He's God. I'm not. (laughs) Um, And, and just be okay with that. And I think, you know, I've just personally gotten to a place where it's like, I would choose to celebrate it with you. I would choose to see God working. I choose it. Choose that. So I think maybe that's something we all all have to work through. I love that though, as a picture that 
that we do have to choose. We're going to choose how we're going to go out through our day. Are we going to see God in everything? Are we going to trust him with everything? Are we going to know that we're not going to trust our own understanding, but we're going to trust him? It's a choice every day, right? Even this, this past year of COVID has been a lot of suffering, right? So many people have suffered. But when I look back on it, for me in that suffering, it built my faith, Mia. You know, I didn't want to go through it. If you would have said, Stephanie, your second year in business, everything is going to shut down. You're going to be forced to shut down. I would have said, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to suffer. But looking back on it, I'm so grateful for the suffering because through that, I saw the faithfulness of God. I saw him moving in ways I've never seen him move before. And that trust has been so powerfully built i'm sorry that's mm -hmm. back for suffering but you know what i mean right it's yeah. it's um yeah so i'm grateful for it but i have to choose it like you said it just goes back to choosing to see his goodness in everything that we're going through even when it seems hard to find anything that's good it's like where are you god i know you're doing something good because good is who you are i know that you're full of love love is who you are and making sure that i choose it so i love that you said that yeah i think that's just at least from my journey the last couple of years it's realizing that i have a choice and i think you know that's kind of in the movie what it all came down to for lucia you know she had to choose to keep telling the truth. And I love that it wasn't like, an, like for the youngest little girl, and unfortunately I can't remember her name, yeah. faith came easy. Yeah. She obviously had a gift of faith, you know. Yeah. But for Lucia, it was hard. You know, she, yeah. she felt like she had denied um, and she wasn't as strong as the youngest one. And she had to keep making that choice. And so I feel like that's one of my big takeaways from the movie is we fail, but that's okay. And he makes account for that. But it's, we have to keep choosing. We have to keep choosing faith. We have to keep choosing love. So we have good. to keep choosing that's the way, you know? Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I love that. That's a great takeaway. And I'm excited that Christian movie makers are making movies that have a spirit of excellence in them, mm -hmm. you know, that, and that are done well. I think also looking at this movie and then checking the facts, facts, checking it, you know, I, I was really impressed that they stuck to the mm -hmm. story and uh, like it or not, here's our presentation of it. And it did have some slow parts. I think uh, even with, with um, Lucia, she's older with the guy, there were some slow moments in there that just really kind of creeped by. But overall, I think it was, it's well worth watching mm -hmm. and gleaning from and I think there's there's much to glean the things that we've talked about and I think there's there are more questions than we were able to cover just in this yeah. short amount of time so I hope that um, people who are engaging with this will engage more and keep the conversation going um, I'd love to hear what other people got from this as well because I think it sort of hits you where you are yeah. uh, for me it, it's in that place of prayer and intercession and going well if these three little kids could dedicate their lives to this, uh, to mm -hmm. just that simple intercession, that simple devotion, that simple prayer, then I can be doing a lot more of that than I've been doing lately. That's really, really good. Yeah. So thank you so much, Steph, for taking the afternoon uh, to kind of break this down with us and 
and just kind of share with our community kind of what we gleaned from it. And, and like Steph said, we'd love to see in the comments what you got from it. If it's totally different than ours, or maybe ask yeah. some questions and see kind of where where you're being hit with this. So, but thanks so much, Steph. We really appreciate oh, it's you. It's an honor. And, so fun. Yes. Well, look forward to seeing you next conversation. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Mia. Have a great day. You Bye. Too. Here at Bible and Pop Culture, we look for interesting ideas to engage the culture with honest, authentic conversation to learn more about ourselves, each other, and God. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel or find us at BibleandPopCulture.com to hear other topics. Bible and Pop Culture is crowdfunded and a nonprofit organization so that we can freely provide our content to start great conversations. You can help us do this by checking out BibleandPopCulture.com's donate button with either a one-time gift or supporting us monthly. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next conversation.